When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, welcome to the Manchester Football Social Sunday edition. Sunday fun day hey. bumper, yay. And uh, d- we started the show when the game was still happening between uh, United and Spurs at Wembley. So Alex was a little bit nervous at the beginning. In fact, the whole thing is he sounded so stressful, he- he's had to duck out and have a lie down. Uh, so uh, let's get into the show. And uh, yeah, if-, if you want more of these, uh, look out for the Manchester City Football Social or the Manchester United Football Social. But without further ado... Here's today's effort. Manchester Football Social. It's Sunday. It's the Manchester Football Social. My name is Ant McGinley and I'm bluer than Eiffel 65. What is that? What is that? You don't know what that is? No. You did the song with the I'm blue, bada bee da dee dee. No. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> Just looked at me. It's going a bit back <laughs> further. You switched microphones then. You threw me. You, you yeah, sorry. Sorry, I'm just, uh, I'm all over the computers, that's why. Right. Uh, my name's Alex Boardman. Hello, I represent the red half of Manchester. And you're in, in this bits studio. at the minute. I mean, absolute pieces. Let me tell you why. Uh, we've got to come and do this show on air. It's been scheduled. United are currently playing Tottenham. We're winning 1-0 in what appears to be the game of the season so far. It's full of chances. It's wonderful. but there's Some no great a- saves all over. Oh, De Gea's on fire. Yeah. But we've got no access to the match in the, stu- in Focus, the studio. Focus. It's all happening out there. So if Niall, who's our producer and our expert sports journalist, if he comes in the studio at any point in the, last, in the next 15 minutes... Right. He's coming in to tell us if there's a goal, if there's a red card, or if there's a penalty. So, so um, he just keeps doing thumbs up at me outside. I'm absolutely dreading seeing now because at the minute we're winning one 0 and this is massive for Solskjaer. Absolutely massive. It also raises a lot of questions because, of course, the team you are beating is managed by the man yeah. who is tipped to take over. Yeah, it's a, for me. It's a little bit like the Karate Kid. Right, one where he's going out with the girl. He's sort of he's the new guy, but the old guy sort of was going out with her. And who who wins the girl? Is it going to be Larusso or is it going to be whatever the other dude was called? I can't remember. Right. Well, will it be Ollie on and Potch off? <laughs> well, at the minute, he's been so great, but I really don't want to tempt fate. And I am in absolute bits. This is horrible. This is horrible. All right. So we're going to talk lots about United as soon as the game finishes, because yes. obviously people are still going to be watching that. Uh, but if you want to get in touch with us, the number is always oh three four five triple one. 7625 or 87711 uh, on the text. You can also get us on Twitter, uh, social media, at MCR Footy Social. Some of the things you might want to talk about when you call us, that's not just uh, United and Spurs. United, currently the form team in European football. Mm. Yeah, based on the last five results, is not a better side in, in Europe. Uh, David Beckham could be the latest footballer to be on the TV. He was, they were shooting Peaky Blinders in Stockport this week. Yes. Well, my son works in Stockport and he was affected by it. He couldn't walk through where he was trying to, trying to get because the road was shut. When you said he was affected by it, I thought he was like, he loved everybody yeah. so much he had to take the day off work. 
Uh, no, he's not that affected. I don't, uh, know if he, I don't know if he loved Beckham or not. I don't think he was ever his favourite. Uh, speaking of more things on United, uh, some of the things you might have seen in the papers this morning, uh, Gareth Southgate, the latest name to be linked to the United job. Yeah, that's an interesting one. We need to talk about that. Um, also, uh, City have been linked with a West Ham player. That's another... Um, yeah. He scored yesterday. What's his name? Declan Rice. Very Declan good Rice. player. And we're going to speak to somebody about that in just a moment. Uh, speaking of City, they've got 16 goals in two games right uh, and it's led to a few people asking should there be a mercy point should there be a point at which you kind of go all right stop yeah get off him he's had enough yeah let's let's leave them to it uh you might want to talk about that you might also want to talk about these comments that you you picked up on that guardiola said about young english players and yeah well basically he's caused a bit of a storm because he was saying that the youth system the under 23 system that we've currently got is not just not adequate to bring young English players through. And teams like City, teams like Liverpool, teams like United should have a B team in the lower leagues. So in sort of the old Division 4, we should be having Manchester United B and Manchester City B. And um, I think most people have, well, with the exception of City fans who anything Guardiola says, they think he's gospel. Uh, Yeah, exactly. I think most teams have gone, that's the last thing we actually want. Well, I'll tell you somebody who said that's not what they want was Brahim Diaz, uh, who's gone this week. Well, he's gone, yeah, yeah, and he's not the first uh, City young player to go to to try and to get minutes, obviously. Um, It's happening at Chelsea. Uh, One other thing we should mention as well, the highlight results from the weekend that sort of affect local teams. Let's have a look. Um, So Liverpool beat Brighton 1-0, very controversially. Yes. Uh, Not so much the (laughs) penalty. Not so much the penalty, which... um, it, to me, did look like a penalty. It's Sauer's third penalty he in four games. He does go down enthusiastically. He goes down enthusiastically. Um, however, I think there is enough contact there and maybe it's just that he's running so fast and he's knocked and as he pulls his foot back to strike the ball, it knocks him out. I think the thing that a lot of Brighton fans I was noticing yesterday on Twitter and I was gigging last night in Bath with a Brighton fan and he was absolutely livid at the amount of times that Brighton seemed to be through um, and the ref pulled it back for offside when it when it wasn't really good goal scoring opportunities, as well as any general fifty fifty decision. He just felt they got nothing. Yeah, so, another th- another thing that you messaged me, which I completely didn't see. Match of the day last night. Match of the day. The commentator referred to Liverpool as the champions. Yes, they referred to. This yeah. is Liverpool who haven't won anything for a long time. Well, now. they haven't won the the league since nineteen ninety. Yeah, exactly. Since uh, I was last relevant and exciting, <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, the Hacienda was still open wow. the last time Liverpool won the league, put it like that. So Liverpool beat Brighton 1-0, which as City play Wolves tomorrow, puts them back seven points in lead. City have still got a game in hand. Um, with regards to the top four places that kind of affect United, Chelsea beat Newcastle 2-1. Uh, that was level for a long time in that game. Um, and Arsenal, who, when Solskjaer took over, I think were eight points clear in fifth of United, who were in sixth when Mourinho got sacked. Uh, Arsenal again got beat by West Ham 1-0, which yep. was the goal by Declan Rice you were talking about yep. earlier. Um, and Arsenal now will be level. If, United, if the result stays the same, and we must be on about 80 minutes and still no sign of Niall, so thank goodness. Um, United will go level on points with Arsenal in fifth. 
Oh, I think Niall's just trying to get somebody on the phone for us right now. But uh, the other thing you may have seen at the weekend, which you want to talk to us about, eight double seven double one on the text or oh three four five treble one seventy six twenty five was uh, this penalty again, the second time in a week because it happened last week in the FA Cup, and then yesterday, Hudders, Huddersfield got awarded a penalty, and then he walked over to the fourth official. And he changed his mind and said no penalty. Last week there was the game where he ordered the penalty and as they were running up to take it, he stopped him and took the penalty away. Now, I always had this thing in my head that once a referee awards a penalty, it has to happen. Like, it's just like, you know, well, I've given the penalty. It's like a parking ticket. When the traffic goes, I've started writing it out now. You've got to have it. So that was my understanding of it. I don't think that's true. I don't think it can be true. I mean, I think it... There is a chance it could be true, of course. We could do with speaking to a referee to find out exactly why. But I think that's why a lot of times they'll go over to the fourth official, well, to the linesman, as was, or the fourth official and say, did you see it and uh, what should we be giving here? Because this, I th- this should go over to the fans. Did you see yeah, that? Yeah, what was do you think? Penalty? Nah. <laughs> no, no, but we, we were talking on the drive-in, weren't we, about, like, there have been one or two occasions, I think Robbie Fowler um, took a bit of a dive in a game in the mid-90s mm. and the ref was going to give a penalty and he kind of went, look, it, it wasn't a penalty, don't, and don't book him. And the ref didn't give it. Yeah. Um, so I... Th- I've, I, d- I genuinely don't know where the rules stand on that I, I wonder if what it is, is that you've now got, with VAR and the goal line technology, it's ruled those things out. So we know for a fact that that, that comes in, with the, especially with the goal line technology, which works brilliantly. Mm. And I have to say that going off, uh, John Stones are clearing it off the line. But it does, it's undeniable, because the rule is it's got to be all over the line. It's yeah. there, you can see it, you go, great, fine, that's it. And we, none of us want another Frank Lampard at the World Cup incident. That's no. really, that's really. What and also, is. let's not forget. So we had the FA Cup last week. Last weekend was FA Cup fourth round weekend. First week in January always is, and there was a lot of one or two of the decisions. There was a, one in the United Reading game, um, and people were saying, "Oh, he's taking a, a minute. It's taking ninety seconds to find out if that was a penalty or if it was an offside. If the goal should stand." And people were kicking off about it. And then the very next week, when there's been, again, another couple of dodgy decisions in the Brighton game, people are saying, well, VAR would have put, put paid to that. And it's like, do we, do we just accept the technology as yet works, but the process of getting the decision is not yet perfect, but we should have it? Or we just say, where we currently are, all these clubs, remember, they had a vote as to whether we should have had VAR in the Premier League this year. And in summer, they all said, no, we don't want it. Mm. Liverpool probably more than anyone, because I think they've been the absolute main beneficiaries of not having it. But we do have it in the Champions League. Is yeah. Right? Or is the Champions League from next season I as think well? Champions League's for, from next season, FA Cup, and also um, Carib- it in, at certain Caribou Cups. Yeah. Because not every game's got it, of course. I think the thing is what they're doing at the minute as well is they actually have the VAR van at the Premier League games now because they're trialling it. So they're not actually um, communicating with a referee or giving the decisions out. They're just going through the, like a dry run. Yeah. So they're going through So it is coming and it is going to happen. And for me personally, during the World Cup, I really enjoyed the whole VAR thing. I did. And it, it took away um, all those, like the incidents exactly like the Lampard incident that we really whinged about for a full year going, well, that it would have been a different result. The ball was over the line. It was two yards over. And, and I think we've just got to live with the technology not being perfect. I, I, I think the problem is, though, is now that we've brought these things in, like, so you've got the goal line technology, which is definitive. And now you're having... Uh, VAR, which is getting better and it's improving. 
I think we're moving towards a situation where this really good technology and those decisions is really giving us less to talk about and then we're more focused on other decisions that aren't correct. And so this, this is creating a problem. Well, also, I think there's a full need. When I used to go to United in the 80s with my granddad, um, he would be dead against this VAR. I could 100% guarantee that if he was still alive, he'd be saying, it's spoiling the game and we didn't have it in my day and stuff. But there's a whole new generation of football fan that for the last 10, 20 years have grown up watching American football, basketball, possibly even baseball. And we're more used to seeing the game stopped to get the exact right decision. And I think... I just think it's so, you just have to have in such a multi-million pound business that's so important to everyone. You've got to get it right more than the fact. Oh, it stops the game for a minute. Who cares? Live with it. We want to get the right decision. Oh, sorry. I'm just trying to put this call on, and I think he's connected to the wrong bit. There we go. There we go. Got him in. All right. So we were just talking about West Ham. We we're talking about yeah, Declan, Declan Rice. Rice. City today in the papers have been linked with a, a couple of players. Uh, Neymar's put the word out that he wants to leave PSG. Uh, Dembele at Barcelona. And Declan Rice, who a lot of people have said would be the perfect fit for that role that Fernandinho inhabits. Hmm. inhabits. Now, uh, he looked really good on Match of the Day last night, but I thought it'd be a good idea to get somebody on the line that sort of knows him very well and can see him. Now, for uh, contractual reasons, you'll understand why he doesn't have a name. So we're just going to refer to them as X. You'll find him on Twitter as X West Ham Employee. Good evening. Welcome to the Manchester Football Social. Thank you. Good evening to you. You know, it's it's quite nice that you have an actual voice and not one that's like a kidnapper phoning up, distorted to protect your identity. People do say that my voice is odd, so um, you know maybe it'd be better to have that one. <laughs> uh, so you, you must—I'm assuming not just an ex-employee of West Ham, but a massive fan of the club. How yeah. good was it to see uh, Declan Rice scoring for you yesterday? It was absolutely amazing. It was the stuff of dreams. You know, in West Ham, you know, we pride ourselves on our academy, and um, you know, throughout our history, it's probably been our biggest selling point I guess and so to have someone come through the academy who was absolutely adored by the fans um, and score the winner against you you know London rival it was the stuff of dreams and the stuff a start of many big things to come for, for that man yeah, and the thing is, I think this season you had a very slow, very difficult start. You didn't win a game for a while. People were wondering if Pellegrini was the right appointment. You'd spent a lot of money in the transfer window. But quietly, I think West Ham are becoming one of the form teams in, in, in the league. So d- d- it, it, tell us what's going on there. Is, is it Pellegrini? Because obviously as a City fan, we've got a good feelings for Pellegrini. And there's a bit of an old City contingent down there uh, with Zabaleta. And then, of course, he looked great yesterday, Samir Nasri. Mm, I think for the first time in our history, we have got a top, top class manager. When I say first time in our history, we've had them in like the 60s and 70s, in the sort of recent history. You know, it's the first time we've ever appointed a manager that's actually won the league before. So, you know, he's, he, is, he is the top draw for us to have got. And when, you know, managers were being linked in the summer, he was my number one choice because of the fact that he's been there, done it, not just in England, but in other countries as well. And I think, I think that is the reason we are doing so well. I mean, not many people would have taken a gamble on Nasri, having been out of the game for 18 months with, you know, a suspension 
suspension and so on, and he looked like his career was on the way out, having left City, and he, he, he was brilliant yesterday, and Zabaleta, another one, you know, free transfer from City, it's been an absolute rocket right back for us, and I think Pellegrini is, is he's there for three years, you know, this is the start of his first year, and already we've seen massive improvements, not just like in terms of getting results, but in terms of style of football as well, you know, we had Moyes, we had Bilic, the football wasn't great, obviously Allardyce before that, definitely not great under him, and so it's the first time we're playing the football that West Ham fans like to associate ourselves with, we're playing the West Ham way now. Um, so I, I've got a question. I don't support um, City. To be honest, I, I hate City. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so if West Ham are going to keep Declan Rice, um, which presumably you get any any young player that comes through your own academy that's a local lad, they're worth double a player you can buy. Um, have they got any chance if City come dangling dangling the money? How how do they keep hold of him? Is, is there a way, or do you think it's inevitable? If Guardiola wants him, they just get him. Well, this is the problem with, you know, the, the likes of City now with the money that they've got and the position that we're in. It's very hard for us. I mean, the one thing we've got in our favour is that he has just signed a five-year deal and seems absolutely delighted to have signed it. Had it been a month or so ago, I'd have been a lot more worried. I think it's just inevitable that the big clubs are going to come looking at him. It doesn't surprise me at all that Man City are looking at him because Man City can buy the best players in the world. And in my opinion, he is going to be one of them. I, I've seen Michael Carrick Rio Ferdinand, Joan Cole, Jermaine Defoe, you know, Frank Lampard, all of these players come through West Ham's academy. Declan Rice turns 20 tomorrow, and at that age, and this is going to be a bold statement, I would say he's ahead of what they were at 20. Now, wow. if he can go on, if he can go on and replicate, you know, half of what some of those players achieved, then he's had a brilliant career. But potential-wise, he doesn't make any mistakes now. He's so mature. He reads the game so well, and I think he's just only going to get better and better. The improvement within the last year has been huge, and he's and like I say, he's still a teenager. So I think he's going to be like. Well, he's 25, 26. And how important is he in, in terms of the West Ham team as it is? Because he's been compared as, as a perfect replacement for Fernandinho, who's probably only going to get one more year at City. And we don't know how much he'll play next year, but we've seen already when we've not had him, how much he has missed. So is there a similar thing at West Ham or is he still forging his path there and, and, and making himself dependent on the team? on the team sheet now. I mean, he, he plays the same similar role um, as Fernandinho, hence why he's being linked with Man City and, and that role is so important. It's an unspectacular role, but uh, it's probably one of the most important roles in the team. If he went to Man City, and heaven forbid, I would absolutely hate that to happen, but if he did, he would fit in perfectly into Manchester City's team. I wouldn't have any hesitation in saying if, if he signed him tomorrow, he'd go in the team, he'd be one of the best players. I hope that doesn't happen, but that's the confidence I have in him. I compare him to Michael Carrick at the same age. As I say, I think he's slightly ahead of what Carrick was. And we've just got to do all we can to make him a West Ham legend. You know, get him the captaincy when Mark Noble retires in a few years' time. Make him just such a strong part of our club and so important and make him feel that, that hopefully we'll be able to bring some loyalty out of a modern-day footballer. But for clubs like West Ham and Man City come sniffing around, it's, it's very hard to, to hold on to your players. Uh, so my final question really is, how much do you want for him? <laughs> well, if you look at some of the money that's being floated around at the moment, for what I would describe as very average players, 
bearing in mind the taking potential into this, I think you've got to be looking, and I think people are going to laugh at me up there, but 70, 80 million. Because wow. if, you think about, if you think about what it can be worth, and the market's only going to get more and more, 50 million buys you, in some cases, a fairly average player, and you're not getting that with him. You're getting a player that is going to be, he will be well cast if he's not that far off it now. Wow. Well, I'll tell you what, we'll have a look down the back of the couch. I think we've got that at the ATO. <laughs> yeah, financial fair play seems to suggest you haven't got uh, that. Uh, I'm sure you'll be the first one in the know if it does happen. Uh, if people want to follow you on Twitter, uh, where do they go? They go to X. Oh, E-X-W-H-U employee. Um, and I've got the West Hamway website as well, so either of those places. All right, thanks very much. And enjoy watching Samir Nasri, because he's looking yeah, very good. Thank you. All right, thanks very much. Care. Thanks for taking part in the Manchester Football Social. There he is. Thanks, uh, X. Yeah. That was a, unlike a normal phone call to an ex, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> There's not as much shouting. Where's me records? <laughs> right, can we just say we're now at 20 past six. Niall, I keep looking through the glass. He's on the phone. He keeps throwing his hands in the air. He's not coming, so I am hoping it's still 1-0 to United. It must be. By the time and we it, come back... Uh, it's going to be full time at Wembley. What will the score be? We'll find out next. Manchester Football Social. Subscribe to the podcast now and never miss a show. Manchester Football Social. Good evening. It's Sunday. I'm Ant McGinley. Alongside me is Alex Boardman. This is the Manchester Football Social, available now as a podcast. From all your good podcast providers, which you'll know if you're listening to this not on Sunday itself. If you are listening live, though, you'll be excited to know that uh, Niall has just come into the studio. Something has just happened at Wembley. But what? Well, Mike Dean, the referee, has put his whistle to his lips with the score Spurs nil, Manchester <laughs> United one. So Get they, in. they managed to hold on. Fair play to United. I didn't think they'd be able to do it against a strong Spurs team. But six from six for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. And against Maurizio Pochettino, who's another contender to potentially get the job in the summer, doing himself no harm whatsoever on possibly getting that job. No, Twitter will currently be going into social meltdown. I'll tell you what, though. And so am I. (laughs) Manchester United fans, they should be saying to the club, give David De Gea whatever he wants because he was unbelievable yeah honestly the amount of saves he made 11 saves in the end some with his feet some with his hands absolute octopus he was an absolute brick wall couldn't yeah, get yeah. through Tottenham Spurs, could have scored four or five I've Spurs seen some of the highlights peppered that United goal in the second half and David De Gea really was, was the reason that Spurs didn't win that game let and, alone draw. and as well this is this is Spurs before Son has gone off to the Asian Cup so and he's been great for them really? yeah, so he was playing fire. today and, and still they weren't able to get something back. That's just a lot. So let me just recap some of the results then from the weekend. Liverpool beat Brighton 1-0, as we know. They're now seven points clear. Chelsea 2, Newcastle once. Chelsea cementing fourth place. They're on 47 points. Arsenal, though, got beat by West Ham. Before the United-Tottenham game, Arsenal were on 41 points and United were on 38. So United now level with Arsenal, who were eight points clear only five games ago. Wow. That's the Solskjaer effect. Um, Arsenal goal difference fourteen, United nine plus twelve. Let me, let me which just, again plus twelve. We were on zero when Solskjaer took over. Does does this mean now that Solskjaer has a better record than Samat Busby? Possibly, yeah. Because I just keep I, can't, I remember reading that they were the only two to win the first five games. Yeah. So who knows? I don't know. We'll find out tomorrow when I read the papers. I'm telling you. I, I said this before. Even as a City fan. Put your money on Solskjaer to lift the Champions League. Well, Just that would be like I'd, I'd 20 be years to the day. That would be... 
I would I mean, be that, in that's dreamland. The film. There's a Hollywood scriptwriter out there yeah. now going, I'm going to do the Jamie Vardy movie and then I'm doing this one about Solskjaer. That, that's what it'll be. Yeah, hope so. Absolutely hope so. But buzzing after that. What a massive... Because to be fair, the criticism levelled at United um, was that we've not played anybody yet. And to go away to Tottenham, who are in third currently and were challenging for the championship, maybe that knocks them a bit off. Um, so it's probably good news for City in a way because it's a two-horse race. Yeah, well, this this was the thing. Had Spurs won today, they would have been two points ahead of City again before City yeah. play. Uh, that game coming up tomorrow night at home against Wolves. They would have been one point ahead. Tottenham would have been one point okay. ahead had they won today. Um, City got a massive goal difference. But yeah, still one point ahead. City would have gone down to third. So big news for City as well. Very big news. So uh, it, uh, what is going on? What is going This this You could not have seen this. No. A month ago, could you? No, no. I was firmly in the camp that the that the Solskjaer appointment was kind of just to pacify fans, put a legend in, we're going to be mediocre all season, he'll do his best, he'll have a go, but it won't work, but that is not how it's turned out to be, thank goodness. So if you're just tuning in all over at Wembley, United have gone there, they've won 1-0, let's go to the fans. Yeah, we've got Phil. Have we used a Man United fan? Yeah, yeah. Hiya, Phil. Hi, uh, you're right, Alex. I'm great, thanks. Did you did you watch the match? I did. Yes, yes. Really enjoyed it. It seemed like a twenty minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that was the last twenty minutes. Is the thing that I didn't get to see. So, what actually happened in the last twenty minutes? Were we just sort of clinging on? We, they, they sat. They, they they went quite deep. Uh, obviously, trying to to save the for the win. Um, but. Um, the keeper De Gea was just—he just superhuman. He just—he kept us in the game. Um, God knows how, but some just incredible saves, all, all with his feet. <laughs> yeah. And against that's against Kane as well. He's, he's like yeah, one of the top forwards in the world. In the world, yeah, and uh, yeah, it was, it's just incredible. Um, De Gea—he's really come back again, superbly. So yeah, it was just great to watch. So, what are you? How are you feeling about the Solskjaer? I, th- I think everybody is ultra positive now. Do you think he'll get the job full time? Do you think he should be given it after only six games? Um, I'd like to see him get it, or get, at least you know, um, give him put him in, put his name in the hat. Certainly. Um, I mean, obviously, he's a massive favourite at, at Old Trafford for what he did for us in the past, and I think now with uh, his relationship with Fergie coming into play, Fergie advising him and stuff, from what I believe. Um, why not? I mean, he's got an incredible football brain, hasn't he? He was one of those guys that he watched the whole game from the bench and as soon as he came on, he knew exactly what it, where he was going to be. And, you know, like he did in 99, he, he, he was, you know, just he wasn't just switched off not watching the game. He was, he was there watching it. So he's obviously a massive ta- ta- tactician, you know, of the game. Now, I've heard people talk about this this Ferguson thing, and he was in just before Christmas, and everybody's very pleased that yeah. Alex has recovered from, from his illness from last year. He was very serious. Yeah. Um, and I've heard again that he's been back in talking to the team. But at the same time, I'm pretty sure with the previous manager since Ferguson has left, I've heard people say that the shadow of Ferguson and Ferguson's influence still being there has held them back. Mm-hmm. So do you think this is this is the right move to get him back in involved again? Or, or could that be something that worked five, six, seven years ago that maybe isn't as relevant now? 
Um, I don't know. I mean, obviously, when Fergie first came in, the, the shadow of Sir Matt Busby was there. You know, Sir Matt Busby was very present at the games, you know, and the, as a director, you know. Um, so he had that. Um, but obviously, anyone following what Fergie did was, you know, it's, it's going to be a tough job. But I think it could only help someone like Fergie being around. Yeah. You know, and, and the likes of Solskjaer having worked with Fergie for such a long time, um, I think it could only help him, you know. I totally agree with Phil because it feels to me like when Ferguson went, we had to go, look, let's forget that ever happened and let's start again and stuff. And, and we've tried that three times with three different managers and it's not worked. And now it's like, <laughs> hang on. Maybe it is time to just look at some of the lessons we we could learn from Ferguson and feeling carrying it through and just do you know what somebody said to me today? I've I've read a couple of things on Twitter just about a change of attitude at Manchester United. I don't know if you noticed before the game, all the United players turned up in suits, in the club suits, yeah. and that's just the standard that Ferguson had and. And I know it might mean nothing to... People might go, you're absolutely crazy for mentioning that. But it's these little things. And it, you, you saw it today in the first half. The players were chasing every ball down and we were, we looked brilliant on the counter-attack, which is something under Ferguson that we were the best in the league at counter-attacking. Totally, yeah. I mean, uh, the main man himself, Pogba, obviously, is, is just, you know, he, he's showing the class that, everyone knew that he already had, you know, um, and obviously under the, the last manager, he, for some reason, it just wasn't happening for him. Um, but what I tell you what, I'll be interested to see is what uh, what Oli does with Sanchez um, when, he, when he finally comes back, because obviously he is a quality player, but it'll be interesting to see to, how he fits into this newly uh, rejuvenated side, won't it? Yeah. yeah. The other thing I've heard a lot of people talk about and say, look, all that's happened is Mourinho's gone. Solskjaer's come in, he's brought back the, the good feeling there. But Spurs are a really good side at the minute. And so to beat them, it, was it just that they were all running after every ball? Or did you see some really good tactical decisions from Solskjaer there today? Well, at the end of the day, they've gone to Wembley and and beaten um, one of the, the top teams in the in the land this year. You know, one of the really informed teams in the land that are scoring plenty of goals, and they've gone there. They've kept a clean sheet and they've beaten them and they've beaten them fair and square. You know, in the first half, United were all over them. Yeah, great. Um, yeah, and you know, I, I I think like like Alex was saying before, tactically they are they're chasing every ball down the. The, the, you know they they're playing freely like United used to that you know the United we used to seeing in the past and uh, you know it's it's no secret that's the way we used to play and if Ollie's brought that back I think it's a, it's only good. So the question now is, do you want to stick with Ollie or would you like to see Pochettino leave Spurs in the summer and come to United? As we stand now, um, I know like he's won. Obviously, he's won his six games. But I, I would say stay with Oli. Um, you know, um, we don't know. Um, is, is, is the Spurs manager a Man United manager? You know, we always said that. You know, I always said that, that Mourinho wasn't wasn't a Manchester United manager. Um, obviously, a very successful manager, and he won a couple of trophies. For uh, for United, but I don't think he was a Man United man, and um, I think that's what United need now. They need it. They need someone who's who's got a bit of history with the game, or someone who's who's won big trophies in the past. I know um, 
Yeah, he was he was mentioned, wasn't he? Nidane. Yeah. Uh, as, as a possible. Well, um, Phil, if you just stay there for a second, somebody will be pleased to hear you say that you don't want Pochettino is Spurs fan Mike. Good evening, Mike. Hello there. Hi, Mike. Uh, so, h- how are you feeling right now? Uh, utterly frustrated, but we've been here before with Spurs several times. Um, I mean, I've, I, I heard a lot of your, your other contributor there talking, and I would say that um, it's like when United scored, that United, they said that United were all over us. I'm not, not sure what game you was watching there. Spurs were largely in control at that point, and uh, it was a mistake from Trippier that, uh, that gave the ball away that led to the goal. Um, other than that, Spurs were largely in control at that point, and then the second half was like a training match attack v defence, and uh, without De Gea, Man United looked like a bang average mid-table side, to be honest. But it's totally frustrating. Did, um, I don't think you saw. I don't think you saw it that way, Phil. Did you? <laughs> Um, well, maybe I nipped out to make a brew um, halfway through the, the second half. <laughs> but no, um, uh, yeah, I mean, it, 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 the, the second half, obviously Spurs really came at us and we were struggling um, without De Gea. You know, it would have been three or four, one to Spurs. You know, I'm, I'll happily admit that. But certainly in the first half, I think I think we really surprised Spurs. I don't think they expected us to be um, a strong coming forward as we were. Um, and it certainly wasn't just like one I think we knew. That, I think we knew that the United were better. I mean, from when Sol, since Solskjaer's come in, they, they're obviously playing with a lot more freedom going forward. But they, mm-hmm. but uh, and also, but they they did pack the edge of the box as well. So they were defending better today as well than they have been previously. Because obviously they've not been tested against the teams that they've they played so far under Solskjaer. And uh, credit to Solskjaer for sorting that lot out. Um, from a Spurs point of view, I thought um, certainly first half Trippier was a shadow of the uh, of the player he was at the World Cup, and I have got no idea why Pochettino brought Davis in for Danny Rose after his superb display against Chelsea in midweek. Um, but uh, the same old Spurs self-destructing when uh, when when they needed to make it count, um, especially in the first half. And, and just a series of poor finishing in the second and De Gea having, or the best goalkeeper in the world, which he, he is, um, having the game of his life um, in the second half. It's just uh, totally frustrating. Uh, but, you know, we go again and uh, onwards and upwards. So, Mike, sorry to, um, like, be... It feels like we're putting you through the mill of it because you clearly sound <laughs> pig sick. Um, I, w- I would dispute as well. I thought United were very good in, in the first maybe 60 minutes. I think we could have been two, two up, three up, Pogba header, Pogba chance. However, you mentioned Pochettino playing Davis instead of Danny Rose. Um, yeah. Do you... Are you 100% behind Pochettino? Has any of the current speculation put you off him a bit? Um, the fact that you may be dropping out of the league race in the last couple of games, do you think he's the man to take you forward? Do you- well, I think when you talk about just dropping out of the league title race, I mean, if we go to back to the start of the season and who was being tipped to put to uh, to challenge for the title, nobody was tipping Spurs. There was all the uncertainty about the the, the stadium, and that's still ongoing. Uh, so we've got no proper home ground at the moment. All the uncertainty about how long they're going to be at Wembley. Nobody wants to be at Wembley anymore. Yeah. Uh, and also the big deal about them not making any, not signing any players last summer. Um, when you when you're taking all all that into account, and to see that Spurs are now still 
Wales sitting third in the league and up until today were in with an outside shout at winning the title. Yep. Nobody expected us to be in that situation at the beginning of the season. So to then say that to then say it's all disappointing that we're no longer in the title race, I don't think we're actually realistically speaking, although we would have it was nice to dream, it was never really it was never really on anyway, I don't think, and it's and it's, it certainly isn't now. Uh, I think the target obviously uh, Champions League football next season, finishing the top four. We're in a good situation in the Cups. You know, we're still in the last 16 of the Champions League. We're in the semi-final and one up against Chelsea of the League Cup and we're obviously still in the, in the FA Cup. Yeah, so I've, so, got, I've, know, got, it's, I've got to ask you about that, Mike. Normally at this point, I say, are you excited at the prospects of going to Wembley? But you go there every other week anyway. Uh, it's all about well, the context in the league. Of course, in the cup, everybody wants to go to Wembley in the cups. Of course, they do because that's what Wembley's all about. But um, the fans are thoroughly and you know totally fed up with going to Wembley. It's a nightmare to get to. Um, and when you play and the the capacity because the local council capped the capacity for most of the games for 51,000 when you're playing in a 90,000 stadium that's only got 50,000 people in it it's, the atmosphere is lacking there as well uh, so the players don't want to be there the fans don't want to be there anymore we just want to get into the new stadium as, as quickly as possible all that, all these things taken into account I think this, this, the season overall is not a bad one um, yeah we've lost today very frustratingly we should have at least got a draw out of it uh, but we, we came across the best goalkeeper in the world having an inspired day so sometimes that's just that's just the way the cookie crumbles now does Pochettino still want to be there you say the fans still want to be there does Pochettino still want to be there at Wembley well, he's well earlier this season, earlier this week. Sorry, he was talking about staying there for the next twenty years. So I think it's something that the media would love to talk about. I know Sky Sports and Gary Neville in particular; they want him to leave more than probably Man United want him to come. Um, but the, the but he's made no indication at all that he wants to leave. Um, so and he's building something good. He's building something great at Spurs with with what's with what he's done since he's been there. Um, to go to United, he all the all the things that he's been doing at Spurs in terms of building a team, building a squad that can, that can challenge at the top end and in the the, the 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 business end of of competitions. He'd have to start all that all over again at United with a whole load different with a whole bigger set of pressures with the expectation that's on that club. He'd be crazy to leave. Um, one last question, Mike. You've still got Liverpool to come to Wembley, I think, and you've got City away. So no, we've got Liverpool and City both away. We've are they both, both away? Are they? Do you think yeah. you can get anything against either of those two teams? Which team do you think you match up against better? And you know, it could be that you still have a huge shout in who wins the title, whether it be City or Liverpool. Well, I think I mean I mentioned earlier about the about the fact that we didn't make any signings this, in the summer. The positive side of that is to say is to say that that squad of players is well is settled and and has been the same squad of players for for we're getting on for, for two seasons now. What they've shown in those two seasons is that on their day they can beat anyone. I was at Wembley last season when we played Real Madrid off the park. They've shown on their day that they can beat anyone. Um, I think when, to answer the question, can we go to Man City or Liverpool and win? On their, as I say, on their day, they can beat anyone. Is it likely? In those, for those two, probably not. Um, I'd fancy us to get, at the moment, I'd fancy us to get a point at, at Man City more than I would at Anfield, um, purely because of the defense, the two defences. I think we can get at Man City more than we can get at Liverpool because um, Man City simply haven't got Van Dijk. Um, but... I'm confident we'll finish in the top four. I think that's, uh, I really have no, no concerns about that. Um, I've, uh, and 
out of who wins the league out of those two, I really don't care. <laughs> uh, Mike, thank you very much for your call. Thanks, Phil. I think you're still hanging around as well. And yeah, thank you very much. And uh, no I don't know, do, you, do you just want to agree now that Phil, you'll keep Solskjaer and Mike, you'll keep Pochettino? Is that right? Yeah, I'm quite yeah, happy to keep Pochettino. He's, take, he's taking us in the right direction. And he'd be, I think, as I say, he'd be crazy to go to United at the moment. Yeah, you're up for that, Phil? Yeah, Ollie for me, all the way. All right. Thanks very much, guys. <laughs> Thank you. All right. So uh, we're going to talk goals in a minute because we haven't really talked about the city stuffing of uh, Burton Albion 9 0 in the League Cup. And of course, uh, Spurs are 1 0 against Chelsea. It could be a Spurs City final at Wembley. Or will they play it at the new. Uh, who knows? At Wembley. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Manchester Football Social. Subscribe to the podcast now and never miss a show. Manchester Football Social. Hello, Manchester. My name is Ant McGinley. With me in the studio, United fan Alex Boardman. Hi there. Uh, sports journalist and freshly... An has... all-round good egg. Yes. <laughs> uh, and, and, and unfortunately, Pompey fan. It is uh, Niall McConaughey. Is it like Matthew McConaughey, the way you say that? Uh, you can call me Matthew McConaughey McCoughlin. if you want. I'll be a lot richer than I am now, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. all, all I know is just really difficult to spell it in an McCorn. email. McCorn. McCorn. Yeah. Oh, McCorn. sorry. But with with more vowels than than, than I try it's to put very in. difficult. Yeah. Few to put G's, an email. few C's. Yeah. Yeah. The, the easiest way, just uh, tweet at MCR Footy Social, and that gets you in touch with us, all of us. Or of course, you can uh, give us a call on the phone lines as well. Here until seven pm this evening. Oh three four five triple one seventy six twenty five. So headlines today, we've got to talk about this. A slight recap. Yes, Liverpool beat Brighton one 0 which puts them seven points clear of City, who play Wolves tomorrow. Chelsea beat Newcastle two one. West Ham beat. Arsenal, which means after United smashed Tottenham 1 0 away, uh, United and Arsenal are now level on points. When Solskjaer took over five Premier League games ago, there was an eight point difference. So a huge swing. Also, United won zero goal difference. They're now on plus 11. That is the magic of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Wow. So we've chatted a little bit about that already. And yep. uh, everybody's sort of on the way back from the ground and kind of go, oh, wow, that's... But it was a particularly big week for Man City. Uh, lots of things happening. Uh, some comments by Guardiola that upset people about talking about having youth players in B-leagues. Uh, we saw finally the much-talked-about departure of Brahim Diaz uh, going to Real Madrid. And then, of course, there was the slight matter of the lucky win against Burton Albion, Nigel Clough's <laughs> Burton Albion, in the League Cup semi-final first leg uh, you can't have missed the score 9-0 it's one of those games where they have to get the brackets out on telly isn't it uh, yeah. in the news where they have like a brackets 9 and, just uh, like, any, yeah. Yeah. and yeah. actually write the word down now that is the record score for a semi-final in the UK if I'm Correct. Is that right? That is correct. Um, but it's not It's not the record for the biggest win in the competition. The biggest win was like 10-0 in the League Cup. Interesting, if you look back, all the League Cups have been sponsored by drinks. Milk? Yeah, milk. Rumbelows? What are you oh, talking no, about? Rumbelows, wasn't it? Yeah. Rumbelows. Rumbelows, okay. Carling, Worthington. Yeah, yeah. And there was the Coca-Cola Coca Cup. Coca and then there was... Milk? A Carabao. Yeah, there was milk. a milk cup as well. But Rumbelows, thank God for that. What are they? Am what? I just showing my what rumbelows? What are rumbelows? What a snowflake! Uh, rumbelows were like a bit like curries. No, it's not like curries. You so, still call Starburst opal fruits, you lot. I, I do, as yeah, well, right. do you? You're right, I do. <laughs> Let me just quickly explain this. You know, like if you want to buy something now, you go to Amazon and you buy it. Sure, right. 
you used to be able to rent it. You know, like you can rent a house or a car. So you could rent a TV or a washing machine. (laughs) Right, okay. Those kinds of things. And Rumbelows did that. Fair enough. Yeah. I'll be Wikipedia-ing when I get out of the studio. (laughs) I was going to tell you about my first uh, VHS player that I got from there, but then you wouldn't know what that was either. All right, so what I wanted to ask you was about this game. There's been a lot of feedback saying very professional performance by City. Uh, A lot of people criticised it as well, saying that, you know, he's gone too hard, he shouldn't have played a full team. Now, I remember it wasn't so long ago... Uh, when uh, Pep first came to the country and he played a youth team against Manchester United in the Cup, uh, ran them quite close, but then was told he was disrespecting the Cup by not playing a full-strength team. I think doing that is more disrespecting a derby. Manchester City against Manchester United, you want to see all guns blazing. It's more disrespectful to to a derby fixture and to the supporters than it is to the competition. Now, as someone who follows lower league football, and and I love it, I I do love League 1 and League 2 in the Championship, just the EFL in general. If I was a Burton Albion fan, I want to go to that game as someone who might not get to see a big fixture like that very often, if ever. There'll be supporters who would never get to see Burton Albion play a team like that again. You want to go and you want to see Aguero. You want to see David Silva. You want to see these really top-class players against your team because that's that's part of the enjoyment in a strange way. I know Burton, that they never knew, they knew they were never going to get a result. They knew they weren't. They, there's no chance. It was just the hope that, mm. that obviously you always get when you go well, to Well, yeah, game. I think they might have hoped 1-0 or 2-0 or 2-1. They, 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 they had a great chance at 1-0. They had a great chance at 1-0. Which they w- did, actually. Yeah. Yeah. But if you're, if you're a Burton player, and let's not forget, I know they're professionals as well, but these players are going to want to pit their wits against the best that the country's got to offer. Yeah. I think it's a lose-lose situation for Pep Guardiola in, in in this instance. Does he go and take his foot off the gas when City are 6-0 up? If he does, it's disrespectful. If he plays a weakened side, it's disrespectful. If he scores nine goals, ten goals, however many goals, that's also disrespectful. How is Pep Guardiola going to win? Let's just say Nigel Clough his dad, the great Brian Clough. What would Brian Clough have done? The exact same as what Guardiola yeah. did and punish the opposition as much as you can, seal it in the first leg. Fair enough to Manchester uh, City. Can I just tell you, if that was a game on FIFA, according to the official eSport rules, uh, having lost by nine goals, uh, Nigel Clough would have had to have phone uh, director inquiries or his favourite takeaway and explained uh, what had happened and apologised for his embarrassing loss in a phone call that lasted a minimum of one minute. That's uh, that's what you have to do. Is that the FIFA about. forfeit yeah. thing? Yeah, that that's the FIFA for, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so anyway, talking about this, seeing as this happened, and of course, uh, Gabriel Jesus got four goals, which was mm. much needed. He's been talking about not being very happy and his family's going back and all this. Um, I thought I'd take a look at the most goals that have been scored in football matches and turn it into a little game. So first of all, open to both of you here. Uh, if three is a hat-trick, what is four? A quad trick. <laughs> God, I don't know. Hat and scarf trick. Apparently, it's a hole. A, a what? A hole. A what? H a u l. Hole. I was, I was trying to say that without. Oh, a hole. hole. Oh, a hole. hole. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, the most goals scored by one player in a competitive game in the British Isles was set in 1885. Of course, it was. A player called John <laughs> Petrie scored 13 goals as our broth beat Bon Accord. But what was the final score? We'll do higher or lower. Niall, you can start. Was seventeen higher zero twenty nil higher twenty four nil higher twenty seven nil higher thirty two nil higher thirty. Welcome to number one. <laughs> Thirty seven nil lower. 
36 nil. That's number one. <laughs> All right, one point to now. 36. <laughs> Hang on. It was. Let's try. Was it a 90 minute game in those days? It was a 90 minute there... game. Oh, that's nothing. That's nothing. I'm going to take you, give you a story right now. October 2002, we're in Madagascar, right? <laughs> Two of the top teams in the league. They have a round robin four game playoff, yeah. right? To see who wins the league. Now, there's uh, AS Adema are playing SOE or SA Le Moon to give them a full title. Now, in the game before SOE lost the championship, they were held to a draw by a dodgy penalty. So, in the, the game against the Dima, who were already champions, they decided to protest as that game was a dead rubber. So, after each kickoff, they deliberately kicked the ball into their own goal. Wow. Now, how many goals do you think they lost by? How many goals do you think you could score in 90 minutes if you were just, every time you got a kickoff... You went and scored and kicked the ball into your net and then kicked off it again. It depends. Like, with Kaku, it'd still be like 1-0. <laughs> um, if, 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 if it's one a minute, you're thinking 90 goals. It yeah, it, it won't be that. It can't be that but many. But it takes less than a minute if you're booting the ball back. Yeah, to but the, the ref's going to start delaying 50. And then obviously, you score an on goal. You're going to celebrate, aren't you? And these things. 50 nil. All right. Uh, I'm actually going to tell you with a 90 nil, it's higher than 90. What? See, I'm, I'm going to go 150 nil. And, uh, you are one out. They managed to score 149 <laughs> own goals. Wow. I wonder what, at what point, if you were a fan of that team, do you leave? <laughs> we had Richard Dunn on the football social last week. He nearly scored that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, final one for you. Which international team holds both the record for the most goals scored in one game and in two consecutive games? And I'll give you a clue here. It was set in 2001 in a qualifier I think I for the this. 2002 World Cup. Is it Australia? And they yeah. beat American Samoa 29-0 or something? Uh, very close. They beat them 31-0. Oh, oh, go on now. That this, was a great oh, shot. Get this two days after beating Tonga 22-0. Wow. <laughs> I tell you what, Niall does know his stuff, doesn't he? <laughs> no, because I said Spurs would win today. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. Obviously not. Yeah, if you're just joining <laughs> us, that's the latest from Wembley. Uh, the Solskjaer, like, whatever you want to call the it. Bandwagon the bandwagon rolls on. It's a juggernaut. It's, it's more than a bandwagon. It's gathering pace, isn't it? It's going to be impossible to ignore him I tell for you the what, job. PSG are going to be worried now, I tell you. Uh, they will be. They, they Honestly, they, they've got to be. Because you've got a team finally playing with some world-class players, or two world-class players, playing without fear. That can beat anyone. Uh, that's it from the Manchester Football Social. You can listen to more on the uh, podcast. Just look at your podcast provider. Jim is back at the same time tomorrow. And make sure you look out uh, for the Manchester City Football Podcast and the Manchester, th uh, Manchester United one throughout the week. Manchester Football Social. Subscribe to the podcast now and never miss a show. So thanks very much for taking the time to download this podcast. And I have to bow down to you a little bit with your football knowledge there, Niall. I thought I'm you might struggle that. with that. I'm buzzing off that. You know what? It's because years ago when I was a wee nipper, um, I used to sit on YouTube and just watch players play football on YouTube, just looking at clips. And I always did wonder... Because you do wonder, it's the sort of thing you wonder when you're a youngster, isn't it? Wonder what the most goals is in a game. And when you type it in on YouTube, it is that Australia against American Samoa game. If you type it in and say, you know, the highest scoring game in history, and there is actually footage of it, and it, it is quite funny, and it's a long highlights package, 27 goals. <laughs> but um, but fair play to Australia. You can imagine how long match of the day was that night, can you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, long. So let me, let me ask you a different one. Which British football club holds the record... 
uh, and they're currently in the Premier League, holds the record for the most different players to score in the same game. In the Premier League. I'm going to say Wolverhampton Wanderers. Ooh, you're wrong. Oh. 1974 to 1975, they had nine different scorers, uh, and it was an 11-0 destruction of Strasbourg-Godset. In the European, one of the European competitions. Cool, I don't Second know. Guess. Liverpool? It was Liverpool. Hey. There you go. They were just boss in Europe at that time though, weren't they? Mid-70s, 80s, they were, them and Leeds and I think Nottingham Forest also were decent that time. So yeah, probably makes sense that it's them. But what's that? Nine different scorers? Nine out, different scorers. Out of 11 goals. Yeah. So it's just, I guess it's just the keeper and a another that didn't score. Yeah. Fair play. Some effort. There you go. So now we know what Nile does with his spare time. <laughs> Just sitting on <laughs> yeah. YouTube and looking at all those things. If you want to use your spare time uh, to listen to some more uh, podcasts like this one, uh, you know where to find them now. It's the Manchester Foot- Football Social. And we have specific shows as well. If you're a City fan, just search Manchester City Football Social or Manchester United Football Social. He's been Nile. I've been Ant. Thanks for listening. And the next one in this feed will be from Jim. <laughs>